Okay. What are we now? Episode 16, I think. Um, um, don't know what I'm going to do for m music yet. I don't think I'm going to be able to sing. I've tried a few times and I just start coughing. So probably play something old or something I, you know, something I've already played or maybe something new that I haven't played yet, that, but I already have recorded. Um, wanted to talk a bit about uh, some of my upbringing previous to the uh, drug experience. My mom, what, I, I've said it before, I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama until I was 11 years old. Um, so understanding that uh, the political... Uh, and social environment and uh, cultural environment of the day was uh, pretty uh, it was filled with unrest um, Martin Luther King was pushing hard to uh, gain rights which are provided through the Constitution of the United States trying to win those rights for black people. And uh, my mom got involved in the civil rights movement. I mentioned that before as well. Uh, when I talked about the camp and, and stuff like that. I, I probably mentioned it other than that too. Um, I wanted to talk about my experience um, as a child of a white child, uh, of the forced integration of the uh, public schools. Uh, so I went to a public elementary school in Birmingham, outside of Birmingham, Cahaba Heights it was called, um, which is now, I mean, at that time it was pretty rural, just a little tiny community. Now it's kind of a big community. <laughs> it's, and apparently there's money out there now think um, it's been a few years since I've been there but it seemed like there was money around there anyway so we went to this I went to this school and uh, I think the I think it was Kennedy that pushed to have the forced integration of the schools and I think it started in 63 or something like that just for my quick overview of the of the uh, facts about that history and um if you don't know anything about that history, it, again, it's quite interesting. I mean, I talk to people all the time that don't know history, and they think it's boring. And uh, the reality of, of history is is that it's the it's our it is who we are. We are born out of the history of our families and our communities and our and our um, cities and our counties and our you know our our states, our provinces. Where would you wherever you live, you know, it's it's back to that subsidiary uh, ideal where the smaller government uh, being the most, um, um, I'm going to say, being the most effective uh, type of government, so family government, and then moving out from there. But all of those all of those things they all relate to uh, our. Uh, psyche, our personal psyche, our social psyche, our psyche as a people, our psyche as a city, 
or, you know, so where you live, it adopts a, a certain kind of a psyche, you know, a, a attitude or a personality. A lot of people might think that's bunk, but I mean, uh, even biblically, it's it's displayed throughout, like God passing judgment on cities, on towns, on countries. Um, you know, th- those are, that's a side note, which I don't know. Um, anyway, when, when I was in grade three, that's when, so that would have been about 1967. I was been between eight and nine <coughs> in grade three, turned nine in grade three, 66, 67. That's when they began to bus black children into the school that I was in. And uh, I had already said my mom, like I was raised in the Unitarian Church where quite a few black people, they were, you know, they were successful black people. Like there wasn't a lot of um, slum types in, in that church. It's kind of, you know, it was a home for the intellectuals and, um, you know, people that were progressive and on the front edge of the progressive thought of that time and progressive beliefs of that time. So, um, anyway, so, um, I, I didn't have, um, an inherent prejudice towards black people because I was raised in a different type of home, even though my dad, he believed in the rights of, of black people. He had his own types of prejudice that, you know, I became aware of as I got older, uh, a lot of times, prejudice is born out of something that's an observed fact um, or, or observed whatever reality. I mean, I mean, we can today we can say like the the the, the black people's hatred of white people, which is a form of of prejudice. It's it's a it, you know it's it's racism. And some people call it reverse. It's not reverse. It's just racism, but it's born out of a truth true fact. And that is that historically white people mistreated black people in the United States. That's a historic fact. They treated them as lesser thans. Um, so the, the same thing, my dad growing up a white man in the Deep South, he had those same kinds of prejudices where even though he believed that the black man was equal, he also believed that they 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 were stuck in a culture of uh, that was going to hold them. a culture that they would intrinsically use to hold themselves down in in make excuses and not excel or excel to the rate that or to the level that he, they could. Now that's one way of putting it. As he got older, it became more and more obvious that he had. Uh, disrespect for the majority of the black people, the black population in the, in Birmingham. He had deep respect for some black people um, that he knew. And again, they were, they were successful. They weren't poor. They weren't, you know, speaking in black slang and you could understand them. They could talk uh, to you and you could understand them. Um, I'm not, I'm just trying to talk fact, people. I'm not trying to honeycoat anything. I mean, this is the world we live in. 
Anyway, when, when this, the busing of the children uh, into our school happened, I, um, there was some black children that were put into my grade three class. Now, I had a couple of friends in grade three. Um, one of them, I think he was a year or two older than me, and he actually lived right near the school. And he initially was my brother's friend. Uh, his name was Gary. And, uh, but he became like a family friend, uh, you know, as children, he would come and play with all of us. He was just somebody that we all were friends with, or me and my older brother, anyway. Um, and I had another friend who's, um, I don't remember it was his name, it was Harvey or Harold or something like that. And, uh, he was, um, he was actually a, a Jewish, uh, boy. He, he was from a Jewish family. And they were fairly well off. Um, and uh, he was peculiar in, 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 like, his look was peculiar. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of that 60s show. Um, uh, what was it called? It wasn't called the 60s show. It was called uh, Wonder Years. And uh, there was a character in there of a tall, skinny guy that wore glasses. And he was like that. Um, very similar. I don't remember him wearing glasses, but he was tall and skinny, had an elongated kind of a face, a little bit darker complexion, and uh, he could he could suck in his chest, like he could pull in, like su hold it, suck in his breath, and it would be like a hole the size of a fist in his chest, and it was just so peculiar. It was like he would do it, and people would laugh, and and uh, I can. <laughs> I can remember one day uh, we were learning math or something and he looked over at me in class and he pulled open his shirt, like pulled it open like that and sucked in his chest and I started laughing. And uh, Mrs. Cook, that was our third grade teacher, she was pissed. She dragged both him and me into the cloakroom off to the side and pulled out the yardstick or the ruler and proceeded to smack us on the palm of her hand. It was a different day and time, believe me. So uh, for for, la for me, for laughing at him and him from doing that, f making me laugh at him. So anyway, uh, by this time I was already hippie-ish. Um, I had fairly long hair for the day. Uh, but whatever, That that that's sort of a side note. One day, this boy's mother saw me talking to two black boys and um we were like playing around you know um not just talking not sort of hanging around and playing around we were waiting for the school bus and uh <clears throat> she picked him up my friend she picked him up and the next day he was like my mom told me i can't play with you anymore i can't be your friend anymore and i was like well, why not she, and it was like because she had seen me being cordial, being friendly to the black boys. So this, just an observation at this, this hatred, this, I mean, even to think of, the, of it coming from a, a Jewish family. I mean, none of us are, none of us are immune to it. We all have this capacity to, to be filled with hatred. And, um... It was, uh, there was, there's other things that happened in that, 
in that year, but in the in the school, mostly from that year on, like I became. It says you be you know you become more cognizant about what's going on around you. I found that whole experience extremely difficult, and that was the beginning of me losing interest in the public schools. As, as a, at a young age, I was losing interest in, in being in school. I was losing interest in all of that. Um, it was painful. Uh, it was a painful thing to happen. So I, as it turned out, uh, we would still hang out at school and play, but never again was I invited to his house and never again was he allowed to come to my house. So that is the way of humanity um, you know and as I as I look at it um, the whole liberal and conservative idea that we sort of our politics revolves around here in North America and Canada and the US US is even worse than Canada in a lot of ways but the, here here in Canada it's liberal and conservative in the states it's Democrat and Republican but it's the same it's li liberal and conservative it's not true liberalism now most of it is uh, <clears throat> there is true liberalism like as in classical liberalism but a lot of the a lot of the liberals that you would have something to do with today a lot of those liberals are more leftist they have bought in to an ideology so they are actually leftist ideologues so you could say this is my opinion um, except a, an examination of uh, history and uh, what classic liberalism is as opposed to what um, socialism and communism and those leftist um, belief systems or you can you can see for yourself that it's not it's not opinion it's fact regardless it's politics I don't really want to go into politics I kind of wanted to talk a bit about the uh, the dichotomy the dichotomy of truth versus tears that um, that's that's the way uh, Tim Keller put it in a, in a book I'm reading by him truth versus tears um the truth is often seen as angry and and uh, judgmental and you know and people talk about um when you speak truth they say you're being narrow uh, and the truth is that truth can be narrow truth is narrow truth is truth if it's if it's not true then it's outside of that that makes it that makes it narrow um and the tears part is the the emotion the the love part the the caring part and i'm talking left and right in politics and there's left and right in worldview and ideologies and things that people believe and and truth is that there must be a balance of those things for for the earth to live in and have peace and man humanity hasn't been able to achieve that and that's one of the things that jesus did when he came and walked the earth is he wasn't like he wasn't 
he wasn't a conservative. He he pushed against the the conservative ideas of the leaders of his church and government. And he he wasn't a liberal. He was both and um, because he he reached out and he cared for the the poor and the sickly and the pris- the, the the widow and the the prisoner and and he cared for them and he reached out and he touched them and yet he spoke the truth of of the law which is conservatism in its purest form the truth of of God's law and as i spoke before god's law is actually god's personality it's god's characteristics that's what makes them law is everything's built on these characteristics all of creation is built on these characteristics and jesus when he walked the planet, he exemplified both and or perfectly. Um, he was he was righteous in his judgment. He was righteous in his love and his caring. And yet, like even like an example is when the when the Jewish men brought the woman caught in adultery and threw her down in front of him. This is a, a story. Um, in in the New Testament that you can read that's really interesting. If you've never read the New Testament, this is an interesting story. The Jewish leaders, the Jewish men, dragged a woman into his presence and said this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, first of all, it's apparent that the woman was there alone. Where was the man that she was caught with? Why wasn't he being judged in the same capacity? And so, like right off the top, Jesus is Jesus is the first human to actually stand up for the rights of women, um, and it goes throughout throughout Scripture. The women were the first to uh, to see him resurrected. Uh, women whose testimony meant nothing were the ones that testified that he was alive and risen. From the grave. I mean, we could. I could go into that. That's irrelevant. That's that's liberal. That's liberal thought. Anyway, he he sees this woman and uh, he he stoops down onto the ground and he starts writing. And you can speculate what he was writing. And there's all kinds of cool kind of introspection or ideas that people believe. He started writing maybe the names of the women that the men that were there had cheated on their own wives with or something who knows their own sins writing sins that these men had been um, caught in themselves or done secretly themselves whatever doesn't matter what he wrote and then he stood up and he said uh, let him who's without sin cast the first stone and he because the 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 judgment the the penalty for adultery was Death, stoning, stoning by death, death by stoning. And these uh, these men, they the old, starting with it says starting with the oldest, they laid their stones down and walked away. And the woman was there, obviously dirty, crying, probably you know half naked, if not totally naked. And he turns to her and says, "Woman, where are your accusers?" And uh, She's repentant. She's like, I. They're gone, you know. And uh, Jesus says, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." Like this is an act of love. 
Like he still wants her to not sin. This is that's conservative. That's conservative. Stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right that will preserve and nurture humanity. And yet, the mercy part again. Uh, truth and tears. Um, anyway, so this is the end of uh, number 16. And uh, we'll see what song I come up with. Still can't sing much myself because I'm sick. So see you on 17. Thanks a lot.
reflections of something much more real. Don't keep lying to yourself. Don't keep lying to yourself. Don't keep saying all those things you think you want to hear. Keep on lying to yourself 